Could you please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? In preparation for a list for a sermon today, we're reading Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, inclusive. God disciplines his sons. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us drop everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not go weary and lose heart. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much that we can gather here and freely worship Jesus. On the altar of our praise, there is no higher name. And this is all about Jesus. Thank you that we can come here and uh, know that the gospel is what changed our lives and what is available to everyone. The cross definitely is enough. Thank you that we can come here and know the Holy Spirit is here, who pours into our hearts the love that the world has never known, a love which we share with each other and with those around us. Father, we thank you for just all the blessings that we've experienced through you and continue to experience and all that you have in store for us for the future. Even though the present may be difficult, we know that uh, your plans are not to harm us, but to give us hope. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that we can share today as well. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The question we wanna answer this morning is, what's more important? to be good looking or to be looking good. There's a big difference. For example, every time we line up to pay for groceries, we sort of find ourselves waiting behind a family that has enough food to feed a village for a month, and she's arguing about the sesame seeds. They're 374, not 375. And I'm standing there and wishing there was a, a, a line for someone like me, one item or less. <laughs> but the worst part is you have to pass through this gauntlet of magazines that insist that you're nobody unless you're good looking. It's the Orthodox Kardashian creed. <laughs> now let me say on behalf of the great cloud of witnesses that have gathered here this morning, we really appreciate the effort you made to be good looking today. 
Because when you woke up and went to the mirror, it did not tell you that you were the fairest in all the land. If you're like me, the mirror image was like a scene from the zombie apocalypse. Could that be me? What happened to my eyebrows? You didn't want to scare anyone. So you began to repair the damage. And we really appreciate that. See, there's nothing wrong with putting a little effort into being good looking. As long as we realize that our primary objective is to be looking good. And there's a big difference. True spirituality is all about looking good. And the writer of Hebrews explains it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. How do we run with perseverance? Well, obviously, the Christian life is not a sprint. As Eugene Peterson said, it's a long obedience in the same direction. So you have to pace yourself. You have to travel light. And you have to keep going. Is there anything more important than perseverance in the Christian life? It's great to come back here after 25 years and see so many of you who have persevered. It's impressive. It takes stamina. Sure, you can have all the enthusiasm and all the passion and all the talent in the world, but it won't count for very much if you do not persevere. What's going to go further, an old beaten up VW bug with a full tank of gas or a shiny new Lamborghini down to its last liter. I've seen so many promising believers who start off fast and furious and then fade. They got weary. They lost heart. Is there anything more important than perseverance in the Christian life? But how do we develop this kind of stamina? Well, I'm glad you asked because it all depends on looking good. It's about our perspective. So it's time for a closer look. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, well, obviously this is a reference to the previous chapter, to Hebrews 11, where the writer gives us a tour of the Hall of Fame. These are the great heroes of faith in the Old Testament, people like Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. We live in the context of the men and women who trusted God during great trials and tribulations. These are the people who persevered. So if we want to go the distance and we have to fix our eyes on Abraham and on Moses, is that what it says? doesn't say that. We need something more effective than that. The secret of perseverance is in verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus needs to have our undivided attention. We need to make eye contact with him constantly. 
We don't fix our eyes on the church. That's a mistake many Christians make. You know, we talk a lot more about our church than we talk about Christ. I know a number of people who have looked at the church and looked and looked until they got disappointed and dropped out. Bound to happen. We don't fix our eyes on the church. The secret of perseverance is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And every time we do that, we are reminded that Jesus is up to something. Something good. It says he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Which reminds us of Paul's promise in Philippians 1.6 where he says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that is so encouraging. That's why we don't get weary. That's why we don't lose heart. So let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Of course, that is not always easy to do because there are so many distractions. And this passage mentions a number of them. It says here, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The most obvious distraction is sinful entanglement. We all have different vulnerabilities. We all have different weaknesses. There are different sins that we can get entangled with. And we know exactly what that means. One of the most important lessons we learn from the Hall of Fame of Heroes is that sin will sabotage our best efforts to live by faith. Think of Moses, who persevered for 40 years. He set the pace, but then he lost his temper at a very critical point and couldn't finish the final lap. Or think of David, who ran with such conviction and cleared every hurdle until he got entangled with another man's wife. A runner can't get very far if his feet get entangled with a water hose that somebody left laying out on the track. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The worst part about temptation is that it gets our eyes off Jesus. We lose our perspective, we lose our direction until we find ourselves on the road that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. Sin is bad news. But you knew that, that's very obvious. What's less obvious is the next distraction. Everything that hinders. Some of us have trouble making progress because we're overweight. I'm not talking about body mass. I'm talking about attitudes that become heavy burdens. You can't run with perseverance if you're carrying a heavy, heavy burden. Here's some of the ones that have really slowed me down. Inferiority complex. Self-pity. Worrying about what other people think. You know, when you've got an inferiority complex, you spend a lot of time in the sewers of morbid introspection. And you don't get anywhere down there. Self-pity will slow you down. It's kind of like running or trying to run in quicksand. 
doesn't work. And when you worry about what other people think, you are heading in all kinds of different directions. We need to have one direction, and that is to please God. That's what keeps us on course. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Maybe you're a perfectionist, and it's never good enough. Or you're a legalist, and you're obsessed with other people's mistakes, so much so that it's distracted you from focusing on Christ. Maybe you're carrying a grudge. That's like hauling around an occupied body bag. There's no way you can run with perseverance with a heavy load of unforgiveness in your heart. It doesn't work. If you want to focus on Christ, you have to throw off everything that hinders. You forget about your reputation. You forget about trying to be popular. You forget about trying to be cool. Because Christ is more important than all of that. So what's slowing you down? What's hindering you? What is draining your energy, making you spiritually weary? Throw it off, the writer of Hebrews says. Throw it off. Or in the immortal words of Taylor Swift, shake it off, whatever. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it and run, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Here's a third one, and this is maybe the biggest distraction of all. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. These verses tell us that Jesus, in the worst time of his life, was not focused on his circumstances. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, because he was focused on something far more important, the joy set before him. Our circumstances, especially when they're difficult, become a big distraction. It's all we think about. It's all we look at. If we focus on our most difficult circumstances, we will get weary and we will lose heart. See, those are really the two options. Either we persevere or we get weary and we lose heart. On his radio broadcast, Ron Hutchcraft talked about a friend who had a car accident. She was hit in the right rear door. Well, after all the pleasantries were exchanged and the police finished their investigation, they told her it was okay to drive the car home. So off she went. The only problem was that the impact had affected the car's computer. Now, this is one of those cars that talks to you. My vehicle does not talk to me. I have to talk to it. You miserable piece of junk. I've never had one that talked to me, but she did. And so all the way home, the computer kept announcing, your right rear door is open. Your fuel level is low. Which wasn't true because she just filled up. But after she took the hit, 
she started getting these wrong messages. And Hutchcraft says that's exactly what happens to us when tragedy hits, when we're blinded by betrayal, when we collide with an illness, when we crash into a crisis, we start getting all kinds of messages. God doesn't care. Your situation is hopeless. God is punishing you. You might as well quit. God doesn't care. The messages keep repeating. When we sustain the impact of disappointment or loss, our feelings start sending us all kinds of wrong messages. So that lady would never have made it home if she would have paid attention to the false warnings. She had to ignore them and just keep going. And that's exactly what Jesus did. When he was going to the cross, he was hit by a tsunami of shame. It says in 1 Peter 2.23, they hurled their insults at him. They mocked him, they ridiculed him, they condemned him, they humiliated him. What kind of a savior are you? You can't even save yourself. All the pent-up fury of the powers and principalities of darkness was unleashed upon Jesus. And what did he do? Did he pay attention to that? Did he lose heart? What was he thinking? Jesus, who the, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was not focused on his circumstances. He ignored the shame. He looked beyond to the final outcome. He was focused on the joy of victory. And that's exactly what we need to do. This is not very complicated, but it is extremely effective. Don't let your circumstances distract you from fixing your attention on Jesus. Because that's the perspective that would, will enable you to persevere. Looking good often involves looking beyond. Beyond your problems to the promises of God. Looking beyond the to the time when God will intervene. To the time when God will answer that prayer. When God will make these things work together for your good. When God will vindicate you. When every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Look beyond. We are so waiting for that day. Looking good means, as one speaker said, we do not judge God's unfinished providence. And looking good is what brings us to this table. Because here, we certainly fix our eyes on Jesus. And we know what he has already done. He's already solved most of our big problems. He solved the problem of sin and death. He's already answered most of his promises. 
And so we come to this table to fix our eyes on Jesus because at this table, there's nothing else. There's no one else to look at. It's all about Jesus. Verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus who was pierced, who was crushed, who was punished, but who did not lose heart. He never gave up. He did not falter. He didn't save us just 90%. He persevered until he could cry out, It is finished. The one who began the good work carried it on to completion. He always does. Has never failed to do that once. And as we come to this table, we are also reminded that we have become part of that good work. We gather at this table remembering that Jesus has called us, very specifically, to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. Which means that the journey is sometimes difficult, sometimes humiliating, sometimes painful. But to follow Christ and persevere, we also have to decide that we're going to scorn the shame. We have to ignore thousands and thousands of false messages that could discourage us. And we have to throw off everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangle us so we can fix our eyes not on our circumstances, but on Christ. You see, it's all about looking good. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ was able to look beyond the terrible things that were happening to him and that he could see the ultimate outcome and that he could persevere. He never gave up, never faltered, and obviously he never fails. So Lord, we come now to this table which represents what happened for us. Here's the experience that reminds us that all of our biggest problems have already been solved. Yeah, there's some unfinished business, but our biggest problems have already been solved. And in Christ and what happened on the cross, you already have done the hard part. You did the hardest part right there. So we can trust you with all the rest of it too. We come to this table fixing our eyes on Jesus because it's all about him. And we pray this in his name. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders to join me at this table.